Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. Welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wright. And I'm your sometimes host, Adam Scalina. How are you doing, Corey? Well, ha- happy new I was year. Like, happy new year to you too. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while. You have a good break? I did. Did you? I did. I did. We all had a better break than Matt. And, uh, we, it couldn't get worse. Well, we told the story on our sister show, Vancouver Real Estate Podcast, about how Matt essentially flew to Winnipeg, <laughs> spent two weeks in a basement with COVID, and then turned around and flew back. <laughs> Minus 50 outside. So Matt's doing God's work by making us all feel better about our vacation. I think that's the uh, that's the exciting thing. Would so. there be a worse spot in the world to get locked in a basement well, with COVID I, than, than Winnipeg? Than Manitoba? Right well, now? I imagine. Like, I'm just going to go outside and get some fresh air. Minus yeah. 50. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brutal. Anyways, yeah, good, good to be back in the studio with you. We've got a fantastic guest today. We've got Owen Leckie. Development manager over at Wells McClellan, definitely yes. one of the leaders in industrial construction and commercial construction in this province. Been around for 50 years. One reason why I want to have him on is one thing a lot of people have been trying to figure out. You've heard tons of stuff about this over the past year, if not longer, supply chain issues, product issues, inflation, and the construction world has probably been hit as hard, if not harder than a lot of industries over the past year because they're struggling to find people with trade experience. They're struggling right. to get products here. You can't get products that are manufactured outside of Canada or North America. They're hard to find containers to bring them over. So a lot of developers that we work with, they've been really, really challenged to you mean, put things out too early, just sort of put a hard timeline on things because everything is just moving so fast. So we wanted to reach out to Owen. We wanted to have him come join us and sort of maybe he could sort of let us know a little bit what are the challenges right. that they've been going through on the construction side, you know, what are some of these certain materials that they've been having problems with, you know, timelines, how that's getting pushed out. So I think it does a good job kind of sort of giving us a little bit on the background of sort of what's happened from the construction side of it, how that relates to the development side to the commercial real estate world that we deal in. Yeah. Just so I understand. So say I, bu- I bought up or I want to buy a property yeah. and I want to develop it yeah. and I'm a client of yours. How has your conversation now changed with these people, with with people looking to get into this space? Because presumably it's a it's a different conversation than yeah. you would have had, say, three years ago. For sure. Well, one of the things too is is things are taking longer now, start to finish. And obviously in the city of Vancouver, putting up a tower, you know, it can be a two, three, four, sometimes five year process. Sure. And one of the most expensive costs during that time is actually holding onto the land. Because a lot of times you're paying a lot more for a piece of land that may have a few houses on it, could be vacant. So your debt servicing is a very expensive part of your performa. And when you went into commercial, especially when you went into sort of industrial tilt-up, the timelines weren't nearly as long. But now those timelines are getting further drawn out, supply chain issues, trades, all of that stuff. So when we're talking to clients, especially people who are sort of newer to the development world, you really want to emphasize to them that if they think they're going to buy this piece of dirt that might already have a zoning attached to it and then start popping up, you know, popping up a project within four, six, eight, or 10 weeks, those timelines aren't realistic. So not only is it taking longer to get things through the queue, but once you actually get your DP and your BP ready to go, it takes a lot longer to sort of get that project from start to finish out there. On top of that, 
you really want to make sure you've got strong contingencies because going into any build pre-COVID and pre-supply chain issues, you'd always want to make sure you have a lot of money put aside. That way you're going to deal with increasing costs along the way and, and you know hidden costs. Right now, you really want to make sure you've got that money put away because if you're yeah. doing a project and you're like, I got a million in the kitty, any overruns, you're going to want that to be maybe one and a half or even two million, maybe three million because you might have a longer time before you're actually getting paid for the product when you sell it. So you got longer holding costs. During the interview, Owen talks about how a lot of subtrades are really hesitant to quote on stuff or put, you know, put a number out there right now and hold to those costs because you're seeing it. I know I was talking to a developer up in Kamloops that their building looked relatively close to being done a few months ago that I said, hey, you guys must be delivering in Q1. And they said, we'd love to, but we wouldn't be getting our elevator till Q2. And the elevator cost went up 15%. And if they don't take it, the next guy will take it. Sure. So, you mean, it's not so much, you're running into a lot of delays and there's a lot more downtime sometimes between subtrades. So I think making sure that the purchasers of this land that are going to the development, they really have their financials really, really dialed in and they've got the bank full of money because things are going to take a little bit longer than they normally do. And as well as you're going to get hit probably most likely with some hikes and some costs that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have felt two years ago. So it's just gotten a lot more expensive to be a developer in, in BC. And so in, in the residential world, when we think of developers incurring more costs, the general consensus typically is that it gets passed on to the to yep. the end to the consumer, right? Yep. And the consumer is going to spend more for real estate. It, it increases real estate prices. Yep. Is that fair to say the same thing happens in, in the commercial world? Same thing happens in the commercial world. One thing too is, is I mean, right now, the, the most desired asset is obviously industrial. Sure. So demand has been pushing prices up just on its own. And that's been a saving grace for a lot of developers who are building that they might get hit with a 10 or 15% cost increase on the project from when they originally got the land tied up or they went firm on the deal. Demand for that same product might have gone up 25 or 30%. So although they've seen a rise in costs, they've recouped those costs and then some just based on market demand. That could flush itself out with time. So it's it could be a short-term success that could flush itself out. But I think more or less is demand for a lot of commercial projects have always been really, really high, especially over the past five years, that although those costs are getting passed on, demand has almost outpaced that. So you don't hear as much of it. Right. Where in residential, if a condo project's launched and it's a thousand a foot, you know, buyers are up in arms versus a commercial sure. project might have been three hundred a foot three years ago. That same project might be four, four fifty now. You're not hearing that, oh, great, we have to pay for the problems. It's still a mad dash to get the product Right. that you're not really having those same conversations, although you are paying for it. You're still conservative, though, with your price projections on your pro formas, though? I think it depends what asset class and what area you're in. Yeah. I mean, the one challenge is when you're acquiring land is nobody wants to give their land away. Everybody wants premium pricing. So sometimes there's a disconnect when you're looking at, well, if I'm paying the highest price ever in that marketplace for an acre of industrial land, and my construction costs are arguably at an all-time high, it's hard to pencil out. And if you sort of you know, fast forward two years, you might be the smartest guy in the room buying it today, <laughs> right? Sure. But it's hard when you're doing that. So there's a lot more, you have to really have a belief in the market you're buying in. You mean, although you're paying premium product, that that product could be selling for 25%, 20% or 15% more than where you're performing it today. Right. Where guys get themselves in trouble is if you're in your performer, you have to hit those to make money Got because it. now you're subject to market conditions. So you want to make sure when you're you're developing a project, most banks want to see at least a 15% profit margin in it in today's world. So if the market trends up on you, you make more. But if you're buying it today and the market has to trend up 15% before we make any money, 
those sites might be a little expensive and you may want to just be very, very cautious to that. So in other words, you got to get that 15% in today's market conditions yeah. and then the rest is gravy. If, exactly. Uh, and if, right now too, if you're buying in the right markets and you're in your, you know what you're doing, you're probably going to make all of that and then some because that market I think is going to continue to project up just because we don't have enough product in the industrial market and land is so scarce. So I'm a big believer you make your money in real estate the day you buy it. And by that, I mean, if you overpay, you're subject to market conditions. If you buy right and you can build the equity in, whether through a rezoning or you know, putting new tenants in the property, some minor renovations, you make money that day. Yep. And, and that's where I, we're a big believer. You got you to gotta buy, buy smart. You got to make money on the buy. You got Fantastic. It. So before we get to this interview, we are sponsored. We're sponsored by our great friends over at Impact Commercial. For all your commercial lending needs, visit Al and the team over there at impactcommercial.ca. Well, without further ado, Corey, why don't we cut to our interview with Owen Leckie? Enjoy, guys. Okay, so we're here with Owen Leckie, Development Manager for Wales McClelland. How you doing, Owen? I'm well. Uh, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, of course. No problem. Can you start maybe, Owen, by telling our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, for sure. So I am Owen Leckie. Presently, I'm working at Wales McClellan Construction. Uh, we're a general contractor. Before that, I lived in Toronto and I worked at Avison Young. I got my real estate license there. And then I shifted out west and I started working at William Wright in Victoria and then shifted to construction just to build some knowledge in the construction world. Sounds good, Owen. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is there's no secret right now. Construction costs have been dramatically going up, supply chain issues all over the world. And we wanted to sort of have you on and so you could sort of shed some light on maybe what 2021 kind of went through. What do you guys maybe foresee or predict for 2022 from the construction standpoint? I know there's a lot to unpack there. So why don't we start just with, you know, 2021, what happened and, and what were some of the, the challenges you guys experienced and, and price hikes and all that stuff? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. There definitely were some challenges. I think a lot of it was a response from COVID and supply chains and a lot of building materials went up in price. So probably the most significant trend was just increase of construction costs. So, you know, over the last 12 to 18 months, factories like steel probably went up the highest. And unfortunately, they probably make the largest component of the, the pricing of buildings. So like structural and reinforcing they probably went up about 15 to 20%. So I'd say that's kind of one of the biggest issues. I mean, if we have more time on projects, we will try and order things like steel offshore where they tend to be a bit cheaper. However, if we're kind of under the gun, we'll have to order it locally, just depending on what sort of lead time we get from developers. But I mean, lead times was another tough challenge in terms of ordering materials. It, it was hard with some price fluctuations we were receiving. So a lot of sub-trades... They didn't really want to lock in a price due to just the volatility of when it actually came through. So I guess we kind of incurred some of that risk. Yeah. Uh, however, I do think we, we did a good job of mitigating that. I mean, make no mistake, our projects were delivered on time and on budget. But I think that's kind of partly due to just strong networks in the market and having good relationships with the, the sub trades out there. And uh, I think a trend that we saw was 
developers were just bringing us in earlier and earlier into the process to kind of help mitigate these risks and run an open book and transparent approach to help with the pricing and again just to deliver stuff on time and you know satisfy our clients maybe before we get too far into this why don't we sort of go back a little bit and just you know let us know more about who wells mcclellan is and sort of the experience and depth that you guys provide and sort of the overall scope that you guys are drawing data from yeah, I'm happy to. So Wales McClellan, we've been around DC 50 years. We actually celebrated our 50th anniversary last year. So uh, we're a pretty established group and we've had a lot of focus in DC. We have done a building in Ontario. We're looking at some more over there. You know, we're doing stuff on the island. We've, we've got a bit in Alberta, but I would say we're primarily focused here. And I think Wales McClellan, we've brought in a development services team to really kind of be that arm of construction for the developers. So, you know, we'll run like pre-construction, we'll run site prep. We try and anticipate those questions that they'll have as early as possible. And I would just say the products we build, I guess, are your kind of your traditional warehouses, your, your industrial buildings, your suburban offices, your automotive dealerships. Those are really our bread and butter. But then, you know, because the market's so tight and I think we'd build it all day if we had the chance, but we had to kind of shift in terms of what asset we'll also build. We'll look at, you know, self-storage facilities, you know, schools, event centers. We do like temperature control buildings. We'll do retail. We'll really do it all. I guess the only thing we won't do is just the residential sector. I think, you know, they're pretty well looked after. And I think we'd rather just kind of focus on our niche of these industrial buildings and offices and just kind of double down on our bread and butter and, you know, be the preferred uh, partner of choice. It's interesting, Owen, earlier when you were talking about like one of the changes that has happened with COVID is that your clients are bringing you in earlier during the decision process and to make sure that logistically everything lines up. Has that been a positive change for you guys coming in earlier in the project planning phase? And do you think that's a trend that will continue kind of moving forward? Or is it something that you hope continues moving forward? For sure. I think it's a positive change for us, but not only us, our our developer clients. I think that will be kind of how we'll maintain these relationships going forward and these existing relationships is being brought in early. And, you know, we're here for anyone to pick up the phone, give us a call, get a quote, get some pricing, you know, tell us what soils were like in this region or how they compared over there. We'll deal with, you know, the environmental, the site prep, the preload, and just kind of give you a little insight into our expertise of what we've seen before. So I think just having that transparency into, you know, Wales McClellan and our construction and our our previous activities and dealings has really helped developers kind of smooth the process in the last year and a half and get the projects delivered that they want to. So you guys obviously, you mentioned earlier, so the areas that you guys are building, are you guys like during the COVID past 18, 20 months, have you guys seen a shift in where your sites are now, where, where more and more developers are buying in, let's say Kelowna, maybe there's an increase in activity for you guys that maybe wasn't there three years ago. What markets are you guys seeing a lot of activity now and what market do you guys anticipate to see more activity in just with what guys are buying? I would say, you know, the, the market is just trending where it is. I think maybe COVID has has enhanced that due to, you know, the need for more of these e-commerce centers and just-in-time distribution and whatnot. So where I'd say we're developing some of these large buildings to meet this demand is probably in the Fraser Valley. And I think that's been going on for the last five years and if not longer. 
you know, an area where we've been quite busy has, has been in Campbell Heights. We've done a lot of developments there for some clients. We've built a lot in East Richmond, which has been very kind to us. I think we've done probably a couple million square feet there. So I'd say like these Langley, Surrey, Abbotsford, Chilliwack areas are, are where a lot of groups are looking to focus now. We're also very busy on the island. We, we have a lot of projects, hopefully, that we're going to put shovels in the ground on soon on. So, you know, it's really it's really everywhere. I think, you know, your traditional Burnaby, Vancouver, Richmond, the sites are just so picked over and there's just no easy sites really anymore. So I think developers have kind of had to get creative to find solutions that can make it work from a, a financial perspective and build higher, you know, they're looking at stacked industrial. I think they're, I think the developers have done a great job of finding these solutions and, you know, making things work in such a tight land constrained market. Owen, oh, just in thinking about some of the challenges that COVID has created with, you know, supply chain issues and increased costs for materials, how do you think this will impact pricing overall? Can we talk a little bit about like the prices per square foot for construction and where you see those going? For sure. Yeah. So that's a question we get asked a lot. We'll have a lot of groups just call us up and just say, you know, what's what's a per square foot buildable for a project like this? And our response is it's just really difficult to give a number that is going to be accurate, you know, a year down the road or when actual the project's uh, taking off. So I think kind of the way that we've been dealing with this is we need to essentially get more of a full scope understanding of the project and to actually sit down and review it. You know, no two projects are the same, but no two sites are the same. There's things like, you know, what site prep has to happen, uh, you know, demolitions, loadings, you know, what consultants we need to bring in to, to make this project go forward. So, you know, you know, things like small bay industrial, I'd say that's clearly more expensive than, than your your large bay. But I would say for, for groups that are actually looking to to get some pricing, maybe even before the purchase, definitely give us a call and, you know, we can sign your confidentiality agreements. We can look at it, you know, give us maybe a few days and we can get back to you on some pretty high level numbers. But once groups have actually purchased it, we'll do, you know, full takeoffs. We'll do a full budget analysis and then we can actually get back to a more of an exact number that we stand by. So I guess what I'm trying to say is with the initial question, the risk is just that we want to really back up our numbers. And the last thing we want to do is give you a quote and then, you know, a few months later, come back and say it's actually higher. We really like to stay by our words. So like, we're just careful in terms of what information we deliver. Oh, and you guys primarily specialize in industrial, it seems like, and stuff like that. What type of changes are you seeing in the industrial like buildings style, like obviously this past year or two years, sort of that stacked industrial style has been introduced to BC, which is common in other parts of the world. What type of design changes are you guys seeing in the progression of industrial, especially as it becomes, you know, land is so expensive to acquire. I mean, there's next to no industrial space out there for people to really buy or lease. So developers are having to get more creative. What kind of changes and evolutions have you guys seen in the industrial side of the things? Yeah, that's exactly it, Corey. I think, as you, you mentioned earlier, stacked industrial is a product that we are seeing more of. I would say it makes sense in more high-priced land-constrained areas. You know, developers need to get their higher their higher price on a per square foot uh, revenue-wise. So maybe sites that have previously been looked over that just didn't make sense from from a developer standpoint, groups are revisiting. Now, you know, you can build a second floor in it and just recoup some more of that revenue. In terms of actual building design, 
I'd say higher ceilings is definitely a major point. Groups are looking at 36, 40 foot high ceilings to get more cubic capacity. I think previously, you know, 20 years ago, apparently 26 feet in a warehouse building was deemed pretty high. But, you know, on top of that, things we're seeing in buildings are, I think owners are trying to find space that attracts and retains employees. Yeah. So enhanced amenities, gyms, daycares, cafeterias, showers, I think are starting to make more sense and will be, what we're, I think we're seeing that in some of the brochures and concepts that we're seeing are, are going to be developed. And I think we'll just start to see more of that going forward. And then probably the last point or two would be uh, power supplies to these buildings. You know, these are highly automated buildings and that's, we're seeing definitely an increase in that. The power to support that and the robotics in the facilities is, is a really quite technological advanced buildings that these developers are, or these client, these end users are demanding. The last probably you know newer design is just implementing green technologies. So things like timber, I think we're, we're seeing more of. And I know there's some really flashy, cool projects going on downtown. We're looking at you know timber warehouse stack timber industrial so we're pretty excited about that we're fans of these we think the science is all there in terms of the acoustics the efficiencies the fire safety with the treated wood so i think that's going to have a solid runway too that we're happy to talk about groups with further just for our listeners sake there when you talked about these higher ceilings going from say 26 up to 40 you mentioned cubic feet that's for a lot of these industrial type tenants they have racking so the higher the ceiling is picture costco right but you go into a costco you got the racks there that's what it is, is you can get, instead of having to have a 10,000 square foot footprint to put your thing, you might get what you need into a 5,000 square foot footprint, reducing your rent on an overall price per foot basis. But if I have 40 feet, I might get 10 or sorry, five or six sets of racks in versus one or two, which would then I need a bigger footprint, you know, from a leasing standpoint. Uh, Owen, you know, as someone who is not in commercial real estate, I would imagine like Corey, over the course of this, this show, we've talked a little bit about how the people that the trends are changing who who's occupying these spaces right is is changing where it might have been you know an industrial space used to be maybe a lot of heavy equipment or something to that effect and now we're seeing say like an online t-shirt company move into say industrial space so the changes that have kind of in in technology and who's occupying the space has had a huge impact on on what you're building and and what you're seeing out there for sure. I think that definitely changes the design and the use. And you're right. I mean, we have tenants that take on some of our temperature control facilities. We have tenants that need large warehouses to store. We have self-storage. It really, it's a good question. It really depends on the use and, you know, us being able to talk to the developer and, and even the client uh, or, or the end of user tenant I think it's been great. You know, things like Amazon, we've been we've been lucky to have a solid partnership with them for the last few years and do some notable buildings around BC. So, I mean, we're talking with them probably one, two times a week still, as we have been for the last few years. And, you know, they're constantly advising us on, hey, you know, what about, what about this? What about that? So it's really open dialogue that I guess helps design these buildings and, and makes them uh, makes a tenant happy with them. But then, you know, once, once the building is delivered, it's because it's so highly automated. It's not just a, here's the keys, take it. It's we're with them for the next year, kind of introducing them to all of the specifications of the building and how it all works. 
with that partnership with Amazon, if you ever get to speak to uh, Jeff there, can you ask for my 80 bucks a month back on my Prime membership? I signed up for Yellowstone and I still can't get into it. I want my money back. <laughs> yeah, I heard you're a big fan of Yellowstone. So yeah. I need to get into you, that. You have no idea. You should see my Halloween costume this year. <laughs> what? You went as a cowboy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, anything but. <laughs> uh, so um, just kind of Owen... Moving forward, you guys are developing in a lot of areas. We talked about some of the areas that you're working in. You know, seeing where a lot of the construction, where a lot of a lot of the developers are going, are there any areas that you think are kind of ripe for investors looking at trying to get into the market? Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a good question. And I think, you know, that's information that, that we contact brokers and developers for. You know, we have open channels with these groups. We're meeting these people a few times a week just to kind of try and get that sort of insight. So, you know, I think it's just going to, I think the Fraser Valley is going to continue to get built up. You know, I've listened to your guys' podcast before. I've heard you guys talk about cities like Maple Ridge, Chilliwack, Kamloops. So, you know, I'm starting to eye that up more and I'm excited for the future of that. And I think there's a lot of activity that, that will go on there soon. So, Owen, in BC, we've got every developer under the sun, it feels like, is developing, wants to develop, or is developing in BC. When you guys are working with developers, yeah. what, what size of the developers? Do you guys have a, a niche that you guys work with? Like, hey, we only work with the big guys, or do we work with the small guys? Or if me and Adam, we go buy a piece of dirt, and we call you up and say, hey, we want to slap up an industrial, uh, an industrial <laughs> tilt up. Like, will you work with us? Like, who, who are the clients that you guys are kind of working with? I would be lucky to work with both of you. Um, <laughs> you yeah, would be because you'd make I a would... lot of money because we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'd say, yeah, we, we work with really any developer that comes through our door. We, we work with a lot of the household groups. You know, we're, we're pretty high on PC Urban. We've had a lot of success delivering the small bay PC Urban strata that I think the market is just so hot on. But then we also work with, yeah, you're right, a, a lot of private or smaller individuals that are just looking to to bring their money into the real estate market. And I mean, those are some of the really fun groups to work with just because, you know, we get to educate, we get to learn from them, learn their needs. It's, it's kind of more starting from scratch. Whereas these larger developers, we've done tons of these. So, I mean, we're pretty established just turning these out smoothly. Yeah. Any insights for some of the smaller, smaller groups that are kind of entering into this space? Yeah, I, I'd say... You know, you want to make sure you address your potential pressure points up front. You just want to make sure you're aware of all items that could pose a threat in the future. So, you know, giving us a call, we're happy to walk through that, you know, look at the site, get some consultants on site, loop all that feedback, and then, you know, tee up everyone for a call and go over. I think that's really what I would say. So just, you know, your risk identification, and you don't want to go down the road run into a potential issue and have to go back to the start or have your performer all out of whack. I think it's just really letting us do what we do, do our homework and make sure it's a smooth, mistake-free process for them. You're seeing where developments happen. You're seeing who's buying where early on in the process because you're getting, they're probably getting you guys involved during the due diligence stage or even before that. Where does Owen Lucky put his money right now? Huh. Where are you? Where are you That's buying? a good question. And, and, and you know besides what? crypto. Yeah, it was nice crypto. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys take oh, crypto? I've just, lost, I just lost money in crypto. So, yeah. <laughs> You're the first guy I've heard that from. Oh, gosh. I would say, you know, honestly, I would say that's, that's a little bit influenced by being on the island, being in the William Wright office, and just having some, some unreal brokers there to work with and just hearing what they say about the market. I know 
listening to this podcast, Corey, you're quite high on the island. I do like the island. I do think there's a lot of land that, that gets to be developed and a lot of changes. And I think, you know, they have some political leaders like in Langford who are very pro-development. So I think that's an exciting opportunity. I think Nanaimo eventually will start to get busy. We're looking really all over the island. So that's an area I really like. I guess that's just kind of close to home, though. And then Kelowna, you know, I've talked with some William Wright brokers up there that have been very helpful. And I think I think I read the other day they have they have a billion dollars in building permits that they're reviewing. So, you know, I, I think just more more activity will, will be going up there as well. Well, one thing with Kelowna too is if you look at Kelowna and Victoria, and we've talked about this before, is is one of the driving forces behind, you know, obviously everyone loves Vancouver and wants to be here, but we're, we're yeah. landlocked. And if you look on sort yeah. of a, a macroeconomic scale at both Victoria and Kelowna, they also experience similar challenges with water, lakes, all that stuff. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think both those markets are are you know, can't miss type markets. And I know a lot of investors that we've worked with over the past few years that have been fortunate to buy in those markets have done very, very well. And I still think they're in their infancy of where they're going based on, you know, what's happening. And a good, you know, to your point further, see if Kelowna, I was reading as well, they got approaching like a billion dollars in, in development permits that have been submitted for the city now. So yeah, I definitely agree with the with the infancy point. But then, you know, where we're most busy is definitely still your Surrey and your South Vancouver. So I still think you know, we're going to be busy there for a long time too. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think I think there's a lot of markets. And we talked touched earlier a little bit. You guys mentioned you're doing a lot of developing in Campbell Heights. And for those who don't know, Campbell Heights is a sort of an industrial hub in the uh, the Surrey area. Is that a marketplace where you guys are seeing continued growth? Because I know there's been sort of land sort of added to that plan there. Is that something that, that's got quite a bit of runway ahead of it still in that Campbell Heights area? Yeah, we think so. Yeah, we've had great success there. We've been really busy. We've done you know, some very large projects like a, we did a 360,000 square foot building for Bentall that we have just completed. So wow. I think, yeah, I think we're high on that. I'm excited to see the fourth reading outcome for the southern part of Campbell Heights. I think that's still a few years out, but that's definitely something that a lot of developers have already eyed up and, and tied up. And, you know, we're definitely getting calls on you know when that's going to be, re- be released and some pricing and, and general feasibility for those lands now. Oh, and we have uh, our six pack where we ask you six lighthearted questions about yourself outside of the office, so we can kind of get to know you a little bit better. There, you have just a few more minutes for us. Uh, yeah, of course. So the six pack is powered by our good friends over at Redpoint Law. For all your commercial legal needs, please visit them at redpointlaw.ca. All right, Owen. First question up. We'll give you an easy one. Give you a softball here to start. Favorite movie. Or TV show, your choice. Oh, favorite movie. I would have to go James Bond, uh, the Daniel oh. Craig ones. Oh, Daniel fair. Craig. Yeah. Wow. Very, wow. Very good. Oh, uh, yeah. How's For that sure. new one? I feel like I always see it on uh, on Apple movies, but I haven't seen it yet. The latest. I thought it was really good. Yeah. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, my grandpa spoiled the, the movie. Uh, you know, quite a few months before I saw it, but I think it's still it was still vintage Daniel Craig, so I loved it. Nice. Over the holidays, I took uh, we I took our two young boys to go see Sing Two twice, not once, but twice. <laughs> so th- th- this just goes. This is where you're trying to find stuff to do, right? So we go back and we see yeah. Sing Two the second time. So now we're probably at least 150 bucks into Silver City for these two visits. You get your popcorn and all that stuff, right? And I'm thinking, okay, well, we'll come here. You know, movies are all coming back now. The very next, like I feel it was the next day, Sing Two now available streaming. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> The second time through Sting 2, I was like, they still were playing one of the the Bond movies. 
So I was thinking of just yeah. going to the bathroom and just kind of like parading into there for a good 45 minutes just yeah. to try to keep myself occupied. Yeah. But no, no, no I, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm glad to hear it's good. I can see you on your phone in the theater, just like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, <laughs> working no, away. Yeah, nice. no, my, my my kids won't have that. Yeah. Like, Dad, you're always on your phone. Put yeah. it away. <laughs> next, next question up: book you'd recommend to one of our listeners doesn't necessarily have to be about business. Books I recommend: I'd say a book that I refer back to from time to time is called "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. There's probably some people that have heard of it. Pretty intense, but it's about a Navy SEAL and just kind of mind over matter, you know, I, I kind of go back chapter to chapter when I'm feeling it just for, you know, the little kick in the ass sometimes that I need. So I'd say that's, uh, that's often on my coffee table. Yeah. Goggins is, uh, I follow him on Instagram and almost every time I'm like lying on the couch, belly out, yeah, his exactly. post, his post comes up and punches me in the face, but, yeah, uh, it's like he's yelling at you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Question number three, what is your favorite restaurant or bar? Uh, I like uh, Grace and Soda. I think that's uh, a cool little bar it's near my place. Yeah. I think that's great. Cool cocktails. I like the area. So that, and the one restaurant I'm meaning to go to, but I haven't yet is Amelina. And Owen, where, whereabouts are these restaurants? Uh, these are about like Granville and six. Oh, okay. Okay. Garden six. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Great. Grape and soda. Grapes and soda. Grape oh, and soda. Grapes and, grape soda. and, grape and soda. God, are we dating ourselves or what's going on? The the coolest guy hosts in the world here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) They probably open after I go to bed. Yeah. That's that's why I haven't been there. (laughs) (laughs) Your favorite vacation spot? Favorite vacation? uh, I would go with Barcelona. I think that's a pretty incredible place. Lots to do there. You got all the little Spanish tapas. So I think that's quite phenomenal. Oh, nice. Nice. Okay. This one's going to really tell us who you are. Favorite band or musician? I would I would go with a lot of oldies. I definitely listen to you know Neil Young, James Taylor, Marvin Gaye, a lot of a lot of those groups kind of just when I'm hanging out around the house. Nice. I think sometimes on my on my way to work when I'm tired and I haven't had coffee in me yet, I'll probably listen to a little hip hop. Kind of get the day it's, going. It's a common thread on this podcast. So if you're listening to hip hop, who are you listening to? Let's get let's get into that one there. Oh, it's really all over the map. I mean, I, I like We've got time. older stuff. We've got time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I'll get hate for who I say, but, you know, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre. Oh, oh that, the, 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 the 90s hip hop. All right. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was on the MG. Peloton this morning. I, I had, uh, what was the California Love? Oh, nice. Yeah, I had that going oh. on Peloton this morning. Oh yeah, who who's the oh. instructor? Uh, <laughs> all right, last last yeah. last but not least, more importantly, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is uh, one piece of advice that you'd give for somebody who's looking to get into development or um, looking to use your services? I would just say, you know, give us a call and just hear what we have to say. We'll run a transparent, honest approach. I think why you've been around for fifty years is just our accountability and our reputation. So. We're happy just to deliver some free knowledge and, you know, some education. And, you know, if we can help you with your building, we're definitely excited. But even if we can just, you know, direct you away from a site or or show you some potential opportunities with another, we're happy to do so as well. So I think just starting a dialogue with a group like Wales McClellan is one way to definitely be successful with a group that's trying to develop. So Owen, how can our our listeners find out more about what you're doing and Wales McClellan? Yeah, so my email is olecky, L-E-C-K-Y, at wellsmcclellan.com. So if you ever want to shoot me an email, 
I invite anyone to look up Wales McClellan online. Uh, and I mean, if anyone wants to get me on the phone, it's uh, 778-668-0932 and happy to chat about whatever. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for taking the time today, Owen. And um, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was really good. Really good and insightful there. Because I know it's one thing that a lot of people have been asking questions on is why is prices gone up? Why are things taking longer? So I think to, for you to unravel that for us, we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, that was great. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Adam. Thanks so much, Owen. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, you too. Bye. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Owen Lucky from Wells McClellan. Great interview. And we're in 2022. Yes. Everyone has New Year's resolutions. And mine is to limit how many times I describe an episode as phenomenal. <laughs> I thought you were going to say limit how, how often we talk about 90s rap on this program. Well, but I, uh, no, fair, fair, fair to say. If I'm a betting man, Demand for 90s rap on this program is like industrial property in Vancouver. It's only going to go up the longer we do this. So actually, though, you are you're you're very much a planner. And if any, if I know you, you probably sit down and do some goal planning at the beginning of the year. I feel like that's yeah. uh that's an absolute must. Do you have a uh, New Year's resolution or a resolution that uh, has has entered that maybe hasn't been there in other years? Well, I, I think we, me and Matt talked about this on our last show. We, if we, you know, we, we're trying to get this podcast from 10 listeners in 2021 <laughs> to 20 so we can say we doubled. So if, if we can accomplish that, I'll be, I'll be more than happy. I will say, listeners obviously can't see you. Right. We've been friends for a long, long time. Yeah. I've seen... You've seen some heavy... heavy I've seen some transformations, both good and bad. Over the years. Over the years. Yeah. And I walked in today. Yeah. I was sitting down where me and Matt were chatting. You walk in after, you walk sideways. I can't, I haven't, I haven't been able to see you at this point. You turn around. <laughs> okay. I thought we had Jordan McDonald as a guest again today. Well, well, that's an insult to Jordan McDonald. Well, but, no, no. Uh, the, these jaw uh, lines are impressive. Your pecs <laughs> are coming through the sweatshirt now. My, yeah. my man boobs are coming through my sweater. Your pecs are coming through yours. <laughs> yeah. You know what? This is the first holiday season that I haven't gained about 20 pounds. And it's because I didn't see anyone. So it's like the first, it's, it was crazy. It was well, like my wife and I sitting around Yeah, and uh, yeah. So I barely drank over yeah. the holidays. Yeah. I barely, you know, there wasn't any big dinners. Yeah. I actually, it kind of sucked in that regard where it was just, it was like normal life around the house. Right. Well, I but got, the good news is, is I don't think, you know, I mean, you're looking good. You look like well, you kept pelotoning through. Well, I did. I had to, yeah. right. Because I, I, I had you covered. Not only did I gain my normal 20 pounds over the holidays, I got your extra 20 pounds over the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> so if I wasn't pelotoning, I, I would have came back 80 pounds. I probably would. I wouldn't even fit my clothes. Did you socialize over the holidays? I know you, had well, to, you yeah, got went, two kids, so that keeps yeah, you busy. Yeah, we, we went, went to Whistler for a couple of days. And right, we talked about right. this briefly. And, and Matt had asked, like, you guys skiing? Like, made all these amazing opportunities in Whistler. And we probably hung out at the four-foot pile of snow <laughs> with a toboggan for all the time we were there, day yeah. in and day out. Yeah. So the kids loved it. It was great. Got to Earl's one night. Yeah. Ate, uh, what's the pizza? Alpine, Alpine. I think it's an Alpine pizza. I haven't heard of it. It's uh, it's in the village. I oh yeah. Oh, yeah. the pizza place. The there. pizza place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alpine oh, I thought pizza. you meant Earl's had a pizza. No, no. I think it's called Alpine. Not... Long story yeah, yeah, short, yeah. we I ate it every night. Right. Wow. Like, every night we went there. It was great. Even after Earl's, we still went for pizza. I, you got two boys. Two boys. I'm guessing it's like it's like what do you guys want to eat? It's pizza. Hot. Nine yeah, out of ten. Pizza. Times. 
Then it's hot dogs once. Yeah, it's pizza, <laughs> hot dogs, uh, chicken nuggets, chicken fingers, fries, apples. No, if, if pretty much this. If McDonald's serves it, they will eat it. Yeah. More or less. I feel like I've been on the phone with you a number of times when you're driving home from the office at around six o'clock where I have to pause for like a 45 minute order at uh, at a fast food, which is probably just trying to feed your kids. No, that was just for me. (laughs) That was my holiday order. That's why my pants don't fit. Oh man! Well, well, it's our second episode of uh, 2022. I'm super excited for what the year has in store. We've got lots of fantastic guests. Great guests lined up. And Corey, how can people find out more about what's happening with William Wright right now? People can check us out online at WilliamWright.ca. And as we mentioned uh, last episode, we have a brand new website coming out in hopefully three, four, five, six weeks, which will sort of give a lot more depth, a lot more knowledge, a lot more search criteria, all the fun stuff that people are using, but create a really easy user experience in commercial. Some websites are very challenging to find listings, believe right. it or not. So right. we're trying to, we have sort of an internal goal of everything's two clicks away. So by the time you come to the site, you're two clicks away from finding anything you want. So we're working really hard on that. They can reach us at our Vancouver office anytime, 604-428-5255. And we'll put them in touch with a broker at any of the offices throughout the province. Or they can always send me an email, Corey at WilliamWright.ca. I'd love to talk to people, love to hear what they're going on, show ideas, questions, comments, you mean all of that stuff we're always happy to hear. Excellent. Well, that's fantastic. So we will see you next week back Sounds here good, at guys. Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Subscribe today.